morning, everyone. Good morning. We, uh, I think we've got about 47 participants on Zoom, and there's about 17, 18 people here in the classroom. We had a little technical, as usual, Murphy's Law came into play, but uh, we're we're going to get it sorted out. I'm going to keep keep pushing on. Uh, today, uh, Alan Kennedy is going to bring our message after the announcements. I think he is he's on Zoom now. Is that correct? Yes. All right. Great. Good to see. Good to have you on. Uh, so, one of the things that the social media has been working on is ways that we can get together. So, uh, Garland and Mike, if you'll unmute your microphone and kind of give the class a, a brief description of what you guys are working on. All right, thank you. All right, let's move in our prayer request. Uh, we, we'd like uh, everyone to continue to keep Jim Adcock, Myra Beloved, Malone, Jeannie Elders, Bob Hamilton, and a new one, we, uh, Wanda Taylor's sister, Nancy Borden, has been diagnosed with multiple myeloma and so please keep nancy and her husband jim uh in your prayers uh, also continue to, to uh, keep vince uh for his sister deidre morrison as always uh, our continuing prayers go out to dick anthony sister bacchus the coonies pat deaton betty and don gay shirley may mary Kay mills edna smith Pat Stamps and Court Stan and Virginia Thomas, who are celebrating their wedding, I believe. So, and we have one Thanksgiving to Burrell following her Mohs surgery. She said everything went exceptionally well. So, we have a thing. Uh, on your Savior Day, don't forget the Believe Ministry uh, benefit celebration, which will be on Zoom on Thursday, November the 12th. Birthday, Linda Mooney, Mary Lee Copeland. Bill Griffin and Betty Hunt. Happy birthday, Bill. Uh, anniversary, as I mentioned earlier, Virginia and Stan Thomason are celebrating 60 years. So please uh, keep them in your prayers. As uh, Garland said, so put this on your calendar, Monday, November the 9th at noon, a pop-up in the comments. Backup date, November the 15th. And also we're looking at uh, something for our Christmas party on December the 15th. So I will now turn it over to Bob Moore, who has our prayer. And then after that, Alan, the floor will be yours. Good morning. Good morning. Every, everyone knows that yesterday was Halloween. Today be All Saints Day. So I'm going to give you just a little blurb about that. Some things. All Saints Day is modern and attributed to the day. But it was once an old English, All Hallowed Halloween, making the previous All was Eve Halloween. And it is now more commonly Halloween. It's thought to have referred to the saints one. But if you would please pray with me, we give you thanks to all the saints who have worshipped, whether in brush, harbor, weathered wooden churches, or crumbling cement, where your name was lifted. We give you thanks, O oh God, for hands lifted in prayer, manicured mm -hmm. hands, strong hands, mold with a Holy hands used wave off. We thank you, God, for hard work, whether hard-headed, steel-booted, head ragged or apron, blue-collared or three-piece suited. They left their mark on the earth for you, for us. Thank you, God, for tremendous sacrifice made by 
Bless the memory, say we. Oh, okay, Alan, if you'd like to start. Ah, this is interesting. I apologize for the uh, snafu. Um, I can't hear you very well at all, but I'll go ahead and get started. Um, I appreciate the time and you all's patience with my computer issues. It seems to be working now, but I'm not sure if I get in or not. Um, I was going to talk to you about, you know, maintaining or attaining serenity during, during this time we're going through, but a, a little bit of data for you all, first of all. And the data I'm going to be giving you is from the CDC, uh, from the Journal of Medical, American Medical Association Psychiatry uh, Edition, as well as um, Mental Health America and the American Psychological Association. Um, but first of all, as you all are, are aware, I'm sure, you know, the coronavirus has thrown us into a, a real time of difficulty and stress. Um, hang on, I'm going to make sure it's not one of you guys calling me. Um, and anyway, um, sorry for the interruption there. The According to the Kaiser Foundation, we have seen a 1,000% increase in the number of calls to telemental health in this time last year. And to give you some data that came out of the CDC uh, about this is about a month ago, so it's a little bit old, but I think current enough. And, and what they do, they, they put out a, a morbidity and mortality weekly report. And this report looks at all the data that's coming in, and particularly with regard to mental health, since obviously that's my, my area of, of interest and expertise. Um, the MMR report showed that at least one adverse mental health or behavioral health symptom was reported by more than half of the respondents. And here's the data that's really kind of frightening. For those in ages 18 to 24, 74.9% had had one behavioral health symptom that was significant enough to merit intervention. Ages 25 to 44, 51, almost 52% had symptoms that required assistance. Those of Hispanic ethnicity, 52%. Um, those, and interestingly enough, those with, with um, a high school diploma or lower, 66%, uh, and those, and the essential workers, which obviously includes healthcare workers, grocery store workers, delivery individuals, uh, our, our trash collectors, all that sort of thing that's critical to our society, 66% of those felt they had, had, had actually experienced a mental health crisis uh, in the past month. So the data is very, very clear that we're seeing a tremendous amount of mental health um, um, impact, if you will, on our society since the onset of coronavirus. We've seen a dramatic and, and tragic increase in suicide rates, particularly among healthcare workers and those that are um, particularly uh, vulnerable to uh, those who are infected by the virus. So we're seeing, we're seeing a situation that is obviously very, very serious. And what do we do now? I mean, how do we force ourselves or help ourselves in treating um, you know, our own anxieties and own depression. Some other issues that are factored into this, obviously, are social isolation. It was interesting when I was still on, on the call with you guys, listening to the social committee, good for you guys in terms of trying to get each other together. It's absolutely critical that we can try and do that as safely as we can. Obviously, face-to-face -face communication, person-to-person, uh, -person, safely distance is probably the most advantageous with regard to improving mental health care that's not always possible. Um, so social isolation is a very real issue. I know that our choir, for example, got, had our first in-person rehearsal out in front of the sanctuary in the parking lot uh, two weeks ago. And even though we were six to 12 feet apart from each other and you really couldn't hear each other sing very well, it was incredibly healing and curative to see others and to be able to connect with them in a way that was a lot different than a Zoom call not to discount Zoom, but there is some, there are some, some folks who are experiencing Zoom fatigue, probably more so those folks that are in the active work environment because they're on Zoom calls all day long. 
in fact, in terms in in terms of the data that's been presented by CDC, American Psychological Association, Mental Health America, the age group that is less impacted emotionally by the coronavirus is our age group because we're retired. Uh, so our schedules don't require us to, to be out as much as we have as we were in the past. So we're a little bit more used to staying at home, connecting with those that are at home, or if not at home, being able to do Zoom calls on a periodic basis that doesn't exhaust doesn't exhaust us. Um, we also have experienced a decreased um, ability to access mental health care. For example, uh, our counseling center, and we just had a meeting uh, last Tuesday, uh, a group that is uh, kind of working with Nancy. Uh, in her absentee status to uh, work with the mental health, the, our counseling center, most of our therapists are doing telemental health. Um, occasionally, if the situation warrants, particularly with Dr. Neely, our psychiatrist, um, when, and I was talking to Claire not uh, a couple of days ago, she's actually a neighbor of mine. Occasionally, she does go in and do medication checks when the situation warrants it, but most of the access is to telemental health. Unfortunately, in our society and in our insurance industry, it doesn't always cover mental health care that is delivered telephonically. So this has obviously been a barrier, particularly those folks who are underprivileged and live in more rural areas. So that's that's an issue. Um, obviously, illness and medical concerns. Um, I listen to your prayer concerns, and I know all those people so well, and, and my heart breaks for them. And when you're in a situation where you're medically compromised, you feel even more isolated. So these are all issues that are, that are um, contributing or, or coming together to cause us to have Really, what, what a lot of uh, therapists and, and uh, clinicians in the world, in, in our country feel, and also throughout the world, we are experiencing a very real mental health crisis in our country and also in other countries as well. Um, you may have heard of what's called broken heart syndrome. And they did some research out of the Cleveland Clinic and showed that indeed that when folks are under a lot of stress, um, they do experience uh, weakness in the heart muscle. And this is exacerbated by the stress that people often feel because of self-isolation, uh, chronic illness, the fear of chronic illness, the fear of coronavirus. One other, two other factors to consider uh, with regard to what we're experiencing right now in our society is not only coronavirus, but we have kind of, we have a triple play work, which is not good. The other is economic uh, stress. Look what happened in the stock market last week for a lot of folks. Uh, in our situations, our entire income is based on a lifetime of investments. What happened last week in the stock market causes a lot of angst, um, but we're also seeing a lot of issues with uh, societal turmoil, societal upheaval, uh, the whole issue of racism and violence. And I'll take a, a moment of personal privilege here because uh, as you all know, my oldest son is, is Korean. Um, his wife is biracial, African-American, Caucasian, um, and they're pregnant, which we're excited about. Their baby will be cover all the, the gamut in terms of races. My son, before they moved back down here from New York City, they actually escaped New York City to get away from the COVID and had bought a house down here, which we're thrilled about. But in his apartment building in New York City, when the virus first came out, he went to get on an elevator and was screamed at by the folks in the elevator, particularly an elderly man, to get out of the elevator, I won't repeat the terms, because he was Chinese and responsible for the coronavirus. And my son said to me, you know, dad, I'm Korean. And I, I said, I know that, Jacob. But obviously, in a, from a racist perspective, all Asians are painted in the same paintbrush. And he's experienced this, as has his, his, uh, his wife, our daughter-in-law. It's a very real issue, folks. Um, for those of us in, in, who are uh, white male like myself, we've not experienced this to any great deal. But I will tell you, as somebody who's the parent of a child of a different race and um, soon to be the grandparent of a child of a different race than I, 
it is very much alive. So that's another stressor that we're seeing people experience on a chronic basis. Speaking of chronic basis, one of the things about stress is that as time wears on, it takes less and less to cause more and more of a stress reaction. <clears throat> and stress is an internal process. Um, what is stressful to Alan Kennedy may not be stressful to you, but stress we know does add up over time. And because of the chronicity, the chronic nature of this coronavirus and the societal impact, we're seeing more folks succumb to stress response because of what's going on. Think about every time you go to Publix or Kroger. Used to be you got in the car, you drove in there, did the shopping, you come home. Now you get in the car, you got to remember to bring a mask. Then you walk into the store, you got to make sure you have your mask on. If you're like me and you wear glasses, your glasses get fogged up, it's hard to see. One more thing to deal with. Then you see somebody walking around you, they're not wearing a, they're not wearing a mask and you got to wonder why and that's stressful. Then you got to get, you get your groceries, you go through checkout, you go to your car, don't forget, you got to wash your hands off with your hand sanitizer. One more thing you got to do, make sure your steering wheel is clean. You come back in the house, unload your groceries, make sure you wash your hands. And all this, while sounding somewhat simple on an individual or an isolated basis, the more you do it day in, day out, the more that begins to have an impact in terms of how do you're feeling with regard to stress. So what are we going to do about stress? Well, we took my, my topic today is serenity. So I want to talk to you about serenity a little bit. Um, another church member, and you all probably know Barney Burroughs, gave me a book, I'm going to reach over for it right here. And it's called The Serenity Prayer, A Single Prayer to Enrich Your Life. And we all pretty know what the serenity prayer is. But, um, and it's obviously become a lot more famous because we hear a lot of people in the recovering community, particularly Alcoholics Anonymous, that have used their serenity prayer for decades in terms of helping folks maintain sobriety. When, when, when an alcoholic or drug addict gets sober, um, the way they get sober is by attaining serenity. And that is not an easy thing to do. I'm going to read the prayer and then I'm going to talk about some of the things we can do to get serenity um, and to maintain that. Obviously, from our context as Christians, scripture is very, very helpful. Um, I know that when my mom was dying a year ago, that one scripture kept rolling through my head and it's Matthew 11:28, 28. And it's come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And I remember watching mom and what she was going through as she was transitioning to God, how stressful it was for her and obviously how painful it was for us. And that prayer kept coming through my head constantly. And, and even now when I hear it, I get a little emotional, but it, it really helped me feel a lot more peaceful. You know, Christ was there and I could unload, unload my labor, my burdens. Uh, in Deuteronomy, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. In Isaiah, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Scripture is critical. And I think, obviously, this is something we can go to. But sometimes we got to do a little bit more. We read our scripture. What are we going to do with it? Now, obviously, the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I'm going to talk about that wisdom in a second. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at it, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Amen. So what do we do? One of the things is, is to think about how do I give thanks continually? Um, when you get up in the morning, what's the first thing you think about? Is it a positive thought? Is it a negative thought? When you get out of bed, do you take time to think about, all right, what can I look forward to today? What is an experience? What is a thought? Uh, who is an individual that I can connect with? 
to help me feel positive, to help me feel more alive, more engaged, and more at peace. Um, and make a point of acknowledging when the good things happen to you. Good things happen to us all day long, but very often we don't acknowledge them. I, I read one time that 90% of what we do is habit. 10% requires conscious thought. It's kind of sad when you think about it. We're only using our brain um, and, and a small part of the brain is actually responsible for the prefrontal cortex in terms of insight and impulse control and thought, that kind of thought. So we're not using it that often. We got to use it a lot more. Think about constantly being aware of what is around you, what is going on with your body. Some, and a lot of therapists call it mindfulness, but it's a great way of staying connected to self and connected to, to those around you. Um, as soon and, and invariably, your mind's going to wander off on the negative. Believe it or not, folks, we are actually hardwired to think negative. This is the throwback to primitive man. Primitive man had to be acutely aware of any kind of threat. And because of that, had to be focused on the negative. This is hardwired. We're, that's the way our brain is, function, is wired to work. And we now have the ability to overcome that thought process, but it's going to go slightly quickly. It slides quickly into that. Think about when you go by an accident. What do you think rubbernecking is all about? We automatically go to the negative. Some people are better at that, not looking at the accident than others. Um, my wife, Marcia, is very good at being very positive. You know, I'm thinking about what's causing the wreck, what's slowing the traffic down. And my wife's first thought is, I hope everybody's okay. Much more positive way to look at things than, than I was at the moment. Um, when we know things are getting mentally off course, very often we get very irritated at very minor things. Also with depression, we know that particularly with men, as men become depressed, Anger sometimes is one of the most common uh, manifestations of that depression. Um, sometimes we decide it's our job to correct other people's inc incorrect behavior, guilty as charged. And I'm, I'm always you know, with Marsha and I'm saying, I can't believe this person's doing that. I can't believe they're doing that. There's nothing I can do about that. I can't control that. Marsha's a whole lot better than I am uh, than focusing on that than helping me get over that. Um, we have a ten ten tendency sometimes when we're feeling stressed out to obsess on past slights. Um, that gets in the way of positive thinking. Uh, it's sometimes it's just necessary to walk away from people that are, that are causing us difficulties. Um, for some people though, um, one of the things you can do to stay focused on positive, um, for some people, and for me, it's very true, is listening to music, um, talking to a good friend, uh, reading a, a particularly uplifting scripture or a passage in a book. Um, what you're essentially doing is redirecting your brain. You can't have two conscious thoughts at one time, only one. So if you think negatively, you put something else in its place, it'll go away if, the if you allow the positive to come in. For me, it is music. When I'm feeling most stressed out, and sometimes I do this in the afternoons, I'll get my iPhone and I'll put on something I know on YouTube I want to see that's musically inclined. Um, I leave the room where Marsh is trying to read and I go into another room and I lift, play the music um, and it calms me dramatically. It really does. That's just one of the things that does, that helps me a lot. If you're musically inclined, do that. If it's something else that helps you, if you're going to index, over-index on doing those things that help minimize the stress. Um, sometimes we have to practice acceptance. Um, Michael O'Neill, you remember Michael, who was our core director for so long and, and a dear friend of mine, where he used to say to the choir very often, folks, it is what it is. Practice in acceptance. Sometimes it is what it is. And that's all we can do. Focusing on things we cannot, we, we can change and accepting the things which we cannot change, as prayer says. Um, there is absolutely no scenario in which being unkind to others will benefit. Um, being unkind will actually impact you negatively as well as the individual. Practice kindness. Not always easy to do when you're stressed out. Practice kindness in small steps. Um, there's a tremendous effect. Um, we call uh, when, when our brain practices the ability to mirror somebody else, 
And uh, the mirroring neurons, actually, when somebody feels better and we're with them, we can actually begin to feel identically the same. And those mirror neurons kick into gear and work like that. So the kinder you are to somebody else face-to-face -face, or even telephonically, the better you're going to feel just because of what's going on in your brain. So uh, practice kindness to the degree you can. Um, the ugly things you say to people are going to affect them more dramatically than you're probably aware of. Maya Angelou has a wonderful quote that I love. People will forget what you did, but people will always remember how you, you made them feel. So think about that. People will remember that and they do for, for forever. Um, obviously, taking care of yourself physiologically is critical. Um, be careful what you drink. Caffeine affects each people, each person differently. Um, evaluate how it affects you. If it makes you jittery or irritable, obviously you want to cut back on your caffeine intake. If it causes problems physiologically, for example, with your heart, you're going to kick back. Some folks don't have much effect. Um, if you have a little ADD, caffeine has a paradoxical or an opposite effect actually can slow you down a little bit. Uh, that's how it works with, with ADHD kids. So think about, you know, caffeine, be careful um, about caffeine intake. Obviously limit your alcohol intake to an appropriate amount. Um, be, being happy is more important than your Starbucks coffee or a glass of wine. Not to say that's negative, but not always be aware that there are limits and moderation and everything. Um, one question I often ask people is how much sleep are you getting? Um, most people, most people probably need between eight hours and sometimes a little bit more. Some must need a little bit less, but it's critical that you get the proper amount of sleep. As we age, we don't sleep as well, many of us. Uh, my mother-in-law has a remarkable ability to sleep. That woman can sleep 10, 12 hours a night and it's, it's fantastic. It also helps her stay sharp mentally. But most of us don't have that ability. In fact, I was at a seminar one time on brain function and sleep, and they showed uh, brain waves of, of people who were of children that were five years old and those of us and, and those that were 65 or, and older. And the sleep pattern is incredibly different. Uh, little ones access very, very deep restorative sleep like that. And it really helps them grow and function and get health, stay healthy. Those of us that are older, like, like myself, we don't sleep as well. And so it's critical to do whatever you can do to get the appropriate amount of sleep um, each day. You can't make it up in one night. You probably can make it up over a few nights, but it's critical to get the proper, proper amount of sleep uh, as much as often as, often as you possibly can. Um, we're in a, we're in a, a television age. Um, if you have a smart TV, you can get a hundred different channels, three, I'm sorry, 400 different channels, not to mention Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime, this, that, and the other. Be careful what you watch. Um, for, for some people, uh, myself included, sometimes watching some of these um, serial programs that focus on families and angst and difficulties and that sort of thing, for me, it's, it's, it's stressful. Um, probably because I've, well, yeah, because I've been a therapist for 40 years, my career and my life was hearing people's angst and the difficulties and the pain. Pain is very real out there, very, very real. So when I watch it on television, it actually causes me stress because I know it's real for so many people and I, it's hard for me to separate from the television. So I can't watch those shows. Um, my wife has the ability to watch those shows and, and be because when the situations are resolved, she thinks that she feels much more positive. I have a difficulty making that leap. Um, so I can't watch that program. Um, so be careful what you watch. Um, if sports, for example, is a thing that helps your stress level, great, watch it. If watching college football is helpful, but your team's losing and you find yourself very, <laughs> very stressed out, don't watch it. Um, I didn't go to the University of Georgia. All my money did. Both my boys went there. And um, so I got really into Georgia football. 
uh, I have learned uh, just finally that if I'm going to reduce my stress level and the stress level of my bride, I should take the game, see how it turned out, and then watch it. That way I don't have the angst that I experienced when I watched the game because I'm kind of a passionate guy and I get into stuff and um, it drives Martian nuts and doesn't do, me, do my heart much good at all. Um, spend some part of the day without noise. Self-reflection is a very, very healthy thing to do. And it's important to take some time periodically during the day where you have little or no input. This is tough for me. I'll admit that. Um, when I'm working in the yard, when I'm working on the car, when I'm working anywhere at all, I've got music um, and too loudly, I'll, I'll fully admit. And now I'm wearing a hearing aids because of it. But for me, it's, as I said, very restorative. But there are times when it's critical, perhaps not to hear anything, just to have complete silence, be with yourself. Be with yourself in terms of contemplation, some meditation, and just taking stock of where you are physiologically and where you are emotionally. And take, it doesn't have to be a whole lot of time, but a little bit of time to feel that, to really be in touch with self. Um, meditation is a very, very healthy tool. So I'm watching my time here. I know we got church at 11. Um, go to God. I mean, that's what we're all about. We're good Methodists, we're Christians. We have to go to God. We have to turn things over. AA talks about it, uh, about turning things over to higher power. For us, it's our Lord. Uh, James has some, uh, in James, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and will be given to you. God gives us the wisdom to know the difference between things we can accept, things we cannot, things we can change and things we cannot. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is full of all pure and peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. I'm going to read that again because I think I read that improperly. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Wisdom, folks, comes slowly. Serenity comes slowly. It takes conscious effort and actual work. Listen to your thoughts and listen to your feelings. Enjoy each moment of the day. There are certain times of the day, and I think because we don't take conscious time to do this, but there are times in every day that we can revel in the wonder of that, that is God and that is our creation. There are times when I, I'm certain that there's God. Uh, I'll give you an example. This is, you know, from the past right now, we're not doing it. But when the choir would process in on Christmas for our Christmas concerts or, or, or and, and we would come in and we'd process in and we'd turn and we'd face the congregation and the church was full and you all are just singing your hearts out. Oh, come all you faithful, God rest you, merry gentlemen. And the sound coming to the choir is phenomenal. And in that moment, I am certain, I am absolutely certain that there is a God because I take the time at that moment to revel. Uh, when I'm with my grandchildren, take the moment to revel in the joy that they have. When you're with a good friend, take the conscious time to think about that and to revel in the absolute joy that is that moment. With that joy comes serenity. Make a decision, put a picture in your head that's likely that if you finally make a decision to obtain serenity, picture what that is. Put it in your head and work towards that goal. When life is most challenging, live it one day at a time. That's how people get sober with addiction, and we know it works. As I said, enjoy each moment at a time. And sometimes, like Michael O'Neill used to say to the choir, folks, it is what it is. I pray that for all of you, that you can, main, you can attain serenity or maintain it if you're already there. I know that a group such as this Sunday school class in particular, CUC, is tremendously supportive of one another. Continue to do that. Revel in that connection and revel in that joy. And folks, that's all I've got. I think I've got, you've got 10 minutes to get to the hill, down the hill, those of you that are there to get to our first in-person service. Obviously, I'm not going to be there today because I was with you on Zoom. I'll be there next week, hopefully singing. The choir will have 18 people in the choir loft. That's all we're going to be allowed. 
but hopefully it'll be a joyous sound. God bless you all and thank you. I don't know if you can hear me, but thank you very much. I can hear you just a little bit. Bless you all. Take care of yourselves. Thank you. Thank you. I, I read in the Friday blast that the church doors were actually locked until 11. They said, don't try to get in before 11. They'll unlock them at 11 and service. And that's just so they can finish up. The Are we back? All right. I think it went well today. We had a little hiccups, but uh, overall, the camera, the microphones, the TV screens and the Zoom seemed to work well. Uh, we had a little minor glitch with the breakout groups. We'll get that resolved and hopefully uh, we'll have that all set up for next week. So with that, we'll be in our Zoom and uh, let everybody get ready for church. Thank you. Mm -hmm.